Hello, and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Dale Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith, and today we are joined by the artistic director of Prop Theater, Olivia Lilly. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. Um, folks, listeners, to know that we've kind of been, like, off for two weeks. We actually went on a, like, isolation trip up to Minnesota. Yeah. Ooh. It was really nice. I spent a lot of time in a lake. Yeah, but so there's definite like getting back into the swing of things going on, which is which is a weird thing to be doing. Yeah, it's hard to get into a swing that from wasn't your a from swing. your apartment. <laughs> right. That's so real. Yeah, like my swing has been like a lot of reading mm-hmm. and a lot of writing, and um, a lot of Zoom, a lot of coffee Zoom, mm-hmm. and also it's really it's really funny just like. Because these podcasts, normally we go to your apartment, we're like sitting around. I'm just like sitting on my bed in my pajamas right now. Oh, yeah. I, that's, I hope that for so many of our guests, you know, I think people deserve that. We do a... Um, mm. Yes, they, yes, deserve all the self-care. Yeah. It is your time. For, for real. I mean, and because... Well, knows? and like, you know, you should see us right now. Yeah. We're just like gathered around one microphone at my desk, just like... Because the that's the other thing too uh-huh. is that when we record in person, it's so often that we kind of take at least fifteen minutes before of just kind of like logistics, like tech logistics. But now I just we just share a mic because it's just way easier. Like the setup for the podcast now is just like a minute of just getting programs in order and stuff. Wow, things on the internet, this like this 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 nowhere everywhere kind of landscape it's so the thing's possible on the internet very strange well and i think that is so one of the things that we've been wanting to focus on with folks is just talking about like what creative processes look like during this time i mean disclaimer preface of prefaces um we are recording still during quarantine i mean people like where it's what july 13th Mm -hmm. so there are definitely states that have like tried to reopen but for the most part, um, we and a lot of the folks we're interviewing are still observing quarantine measures and, and so for that. And honestly, so should you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening. Um, and, and you're yeah, like... Yeah, I don't... I don't... Ugh. I hate how people think this is like some sort of conspiracy theory. Yeah. Like, no. I, I, I was in Logan Square like like yesterday just walking... Because I need to find a park where I could have a, I could sit inside of my board meeting in a Zoom room, yeah. and I and I found I, I did not want to go anywhere near the square, but I went like on like a weird side street, and, like sat in the grass up against a tree. It was really funny. But when I got to Logan Square, because I like, wanted to walk to like see it, what it looked like right now, and the farmers market was no. open. Ah, that's so I was interesting. Like, oh my though. god! I, so I've been having this thing too, where I've been if I spend too many days inside. I just get, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of folks know this too, that I just get, like, not mentally feeling great. So I need to just go for a walk. And it's it's this thing of, you know, obviously there's ways to socially distance while walking, but I don't know, like farmer's markets, you know, like you, you, want, you don't want to see that industry fail, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the Andersonville it, farmer's market has done something interesting where they... They they're using an app where you can order 
they you can order from individual vendors through this app and then go pick they like box it up for you like from at you from you can order from like as many different vendors as you want wow they'll consolidate it for you you pay for it at once and then you just go over there and pick it up yeah which i think is so smart yes yes i love all the innovation in the takeout world and the delivery yeah. world of like how to keep people safe uh, my uh, restaurant open. My Indian restaurant has now officially reopened as a bagel shop takeout window um, pop up right now, and we're doing like so. We're we're essentially like creating a new business inside of the business, um, which is a little bit more fun than actually just like going to work mm-hmm. <laughs> and like like bussing tables. So like, it's been really interesting. All the the cleaning measures and the way that we reorganized the entire restaurant. We packed up everything that wasn't like a to go like item. So like all of the plates, all the glasses, everything is like in storage, really well sealed, and like we all know where mm. it is because we all collectively worked for like four days to to bury everything in in rooms off off of the main mm. room. Um, so it's a wild time. I'm like, I'm like, oh, now I'm like part of this like entrepreneurial team. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and we're when we know like our restaurant has the PPP, and they might not be able to like stay open after right. that. Like that. So this is literally like this is like a drama. Like we're like in this. Will we save? Like Supercata International or not, and also I'd recommend like we're gonna open for. <laughs> don't mean to plug my restaurant, but I'm I'm invested. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're open for a takeout four to seven uh, Thursday through Sunday next week, and we're gonna actually have Indian foods so if you love Indian food, uh, like like fusion uh, or like just sort of like fresh. I don't know versions of yeah. Just like just like Indian chefs making really cool. <laughs> Cool, like versions of the classic dishes. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, shit. Let's commit to this plug. Yeah. Where, where is this place? <laughs> super, super Kana International. It's in Logan Square. Um, and also, something that's great about these people is that they refuse to open for business because it's not safe. Mm-hmm. So, like, they actually like, and they, and in through quarantine, I've never worked somewhere that was so like they care about people. Like, they were checking in on us all the time. They were always trying to just give us money if they had money. Yeah, it was amazing. And that's so, nice. I don't feel, I don't feel bad yeah. like having a spontaneous plug for them because they. Well, and that's the thing. So, <laughs> you know, I love that, and and it's, you know, with Scopy, we've been um, figuring out what to how to like cover this moment. And one of the things we've been wanting to focus on is um, is talking about just what what creation could look like. There's been a few interviews we've done where folks have been like putting on performances and and at least for the at the beginning of it, you know, it's looked a lot more like folks putting together single acts into kind of like a variety show type of thing. But you know, more and more we're seeing folks trying to tackle like full-scale performance and things like that. And I know that you've been working a lot on that. And I know that Prop Theater has been going through a lot um, with with the beginnings of, of you know, with, with what quarantine... Sorry, the cat just distracted me a good, a good amount. Um, which Focus is a very in. charming journalism. Focus back in. You got this. So, yeah. So, I just kind of want to... I would love to just get into talking to you about what it's been looking like, you know, as artistic director of prop working with 
with these very, you know, the last four months of just wild material conditions. Oh, absolutely. So I guess the first major thing that happened to me in quarantine is we had to postpone um, my show. So uh, in addition to being an artistic director of prop, I'm also a writer director and I usually use devising processes to build my shows. Um, and so my latest show, Diary of an Erotic Life, um, which the, I, I got to talk to my wonderful scappy friends about, <laughs> um, like probably like a week before quarantine happened. Mm -hmm. um, it was postponed, but um, the organization, Nation the National New Play Network, which uh, Prop is a founding member of, um, basically reached out and they wanted to know if I wanted to do a, uh, a virtual staged reading at their conference of mm -hmm. Diary. Um, and their conference is at the end of May and they, and also get this, they pay, they were like, we'll pay you to do it. And I mean, obviously I wanted to do it. Like, this is such an honor. Like the national new play network is one of my favorite things that prop gets to do. Um, and also the fact that they wanted to highlight a, a play that was made through a devising process on the national mm -hmm. level was huge because, because devised theater and like collaboratively made theater often kind of gets pushed to the fringes or, or labeled experimental in the American theater landscape. Right. But it's, it's one of my personal missions to like get regional theaters across the country to program devised new plays as, as often as they program other new plays that were built in more traditional ways. Um, so one day, hopefully that idea will just be like normal and I won't even have to like introduce it as an idea. But this was like a really great step towards that. So we uh, we started to go like, okay, Zoom is now our method of like, uh, like our medium. Like we have to take this medium seriously. Because of course, like the first couple of weeks of quarantine, we were like, what is this Zoom? What are we doing? Like, there's no way any anyone, like there's a delay when people talk. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's no way this is going to be compelling. So me and my cast and my assistant director team of Vero Minez and Alice in Tibet. Um, uh, oh my God, sorry. My mom just sent me a really crazy text. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm draining it back in. I'm zoning it back in. Um, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you about that in a second. But uh, so me and my cast, Vero Minez and Alice in Tibet, my assistant director team, we went to work and the National New Play Network provided us with a rehearsal room, like a Zoom rehearsal room. And um, we like took it really seriously and we started to use like the frame and we started to like be very, very intentional about who was looking at each other when and all of that. And then the day after Flo like George Floyd's uh, like murder, we did this reading and the play ends with the burning of an American flag mm -hmm. on stage. And it was like wildfire. It was like, it was, and also my play diary is about like the ways white supremacy and uh, the white supremacy lives in everyone and affects all of these characters. And it's, it's, a, it's a coming of age saga about a, a female immigrant from the South America who in act two becomes undocumented. Mm -hmm. And so it was extremely like, it was all of our like soul of like the last year, like us trying to figure out what we wanted to say, like in this one play. And it all really zeitgeist at that moment. Um, and and it, it was that moment where like, we realized that everything we were thinking and feeling was relevant and was like what everyone else was thinking and feeling. And that was really beautiful. Um, 
because like last year I was, when I was writing this and I was working on this with my team, I was just like busting my ass at my day job or writing. Like I was doing one of those two things and it was really hard at the time, but it's so, it was so beautiful to see the ricochets of that, that, that play in that moment. And also like the, the play was, was being broadcast online. So like tons and tons of people could watch from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like like some of my ch- like teenage friends were like able to see it. People who have never like seen wa- anything I've directed on stage, but like know me so well, you know. And uh, it was wild. And so then for the next month, like everyone was asking for the play. Like so many theaters are reading it. And I recently started like meeting with agents to like potentially find like the right agent for me. And it's just so wild in terms of being seen for a work that is so important to me, but also using the medium of Zoom to make that possible, you know? And and also I got a lot of compliments on like the actual direction of the reading, which was cool. Cause I was like, oh sweet, I'm good Zoom director. That's (laughs) weird. Um, So yeah, that's like that, that was kind of our first foray into this. And um, meanwhile, we have also been working on how do we, start rehearsals for our next devised show which is um it's a uh musical it's gonna be a musical based on faust um set in logan square which deals with gentrification the gig economy industrial um medical complex and it's written it's gonna be written by uh tanuja jagernoff um and so we knew that we had to go into devising um so we planned uh, and casted the whole thing through the internet, and now we're in rehearsals on Zoom for this this eight person musical. Yeah, I um, I find it fascinating. Yeah. One of the things that we've talked about on the show um, is just you know the nature of experimental work and how honestly like how that title can be reductionist even. Um, but I think it's obviously to. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic has been a tragedy. The, the the so many elements of it have just been have just been terrible for for so many people. But at the same time, at least for like in this moment, so much of it has also been a wake up call to the structures that we've had. Um, and I find that I find that really interesting. And obviously, again, I think that. Um, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, just the nature of more people being unemployed made it such that more people were receptive to the political moment that we find ourselves in, too. Yeah. Things like that, where yeah. like, obviously things are worse, but also it it provides room for so much change. You know, is that something that you've found with with your work? Oh, my God. I mean, when I'm not writing or... Uh taking meetings I'm like organizing in terms of like me and my friend Aida well my friend Aida is a a playwright and um actor and she came to me with this idea for like a a BIPOC uh Bechtel uh Mm -hmm. test essentially for drama and so she and I have authored we've co-authored this this document which we're getting to different groups for feedback but it's basically a series of questions for writers of color to ask themselves when they are working on a play 
and it is something that's useful for white folks as well. But we were we were careful to make sure that it centered other writers of color, um, so that it was like a call in to us to like ask ourselves uh, really good questions to make sure our li- our work is not mes- is not like reflecting the values of white supremacy. Um, and also we decided rather than make it like a 10 commandments because we thought that was really Eurocentric mm-hmm. and like that it would be a uh, very meditative questions that don't have clear cut answers. Mm-hmm. So that's like something I'm really, really excited about. Then also me and this um, playwright Riti uh, Deva um, are uh, we've been meeting and we've been talking to different uh, producers of color around the country and we're uh, organizing a plan to try and provide free masterclasses and panel discussions with these producers of color in the theater world um, so that artists of color can have access to that information because I feel like specifically producing is something that feels impossible mm-hmm. for people um, because they, there's very little information about what a producer actually does. And then also everyone's common misconception is that, that a producer has to have money in the bank or like be wealthy. Um, and so that's that's one of the big concrete ways that I'm like looking at this moment and going, what can I provide? What can I do? Um, I've also been following, like I'm really, I when that document came out, the we see, uh, we see You White American Theater, I was like, I felt really seen and really like excited. And I just read their like 31 page, like list of demands and um, all of them are really great. It's really, uh, Prop was doing a lot of those already, but also that document is very clearly for larger theaters. Yeah. <clears throat> Not like, and Prop can't necessarily do all of that, but we can do a lot of it and we can, and we're bringing that into our new like strategic planning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be happening soon too, so that it's all weaved into the fabric of our, our institution. Well, well, so speaking yeah. of your new strategic plan, I know that <laughs> yeah. I know that Prop has some news. Yes, um, so Prop Theater will be leaving its building on October first of twenty twenty. Um, this is, I think, a very wise decision because we aren't owners of the building. Um, the owners can't afford to continue this relationship as it has been. And also like, we don't know when it'll be safe to perform again. Mm -hmm. So owning this property that's just sitting empty is so it just, yeah. And, And also I just feel like it'll be really exciting to get to conceive of what prop is without having to include the venue as something that we have to utilize. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to be able to whittle down our efforts and strengthen them and focus them. Um, we just won a, a, a professional development grant from Driehouse to train our board and staff in fundraising and build a fundraising plan, which I'm very excited about. Um, but yeah, it's it's a whole new world and we are fully embracing it. Also, now now we're kind of thinking about like, well, when we are back, when we are able to produce again, what venues do we want to work with? Right. Like, who do we want to work with? That's a whole new question that we've never been able to ask ourselves before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm uh, ask I'm talking to all of my casts 
and uh, asking for basically information on any venue that they love or that they don't like or whatever, so that uh, whatever decision we make for prop in terms of where we're producing uh, will be an informed one that everyone feels comfortable with. Well, you know, I Um, I think that it's really interesting because one of the, especially talking about some of the stuff we've talked about already is how much the pandemic has been a catalyst for something like that. You know, like I know Mm -hmm. a year or two ago, we've had conversations about prop where, you know, the building, the fact that there is the space that prop has was, was so important to its identity. But that I, when you let us know like that, that was what was going on. um, It, in a lot of ways makes total sense to me, not just in the sense of, you know, the obvious, which is having to deal with pandemic conditions on, on budgeting and this, that, and the other, but just the changes that are happening in performance right now, you know, like what we've talked about, like different perform, like rehearsal practices, like different writing practices, practices, like things moving digital, things moving to streaming, this, that, and the other, the physical space is so it's becoming it's hard to think about it like this but it feels like in some ways it's just becoming more and more um uh uh it's less necessary the physical space yeah yeah i've been thinking a lot about how prop is a state of mind how it's like prop is like the the what's between people when we're working like it's about going what do you think and and that defining like adaptation of something as being the thoughts and feelings and like needs and wants and like desires of the ensemble all of which like usually are from chicago or from the midwest and have gathered here to say something specific about our communities here yeah um and that's like, like it is the bonds between us that is prop theater, not like four walls in a bathroom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and that, and that, yes, prop, prop always had this mom and pop shop aesthetic, but it's one of the ideas that I have uh, is like, we make sure that w- along, we, when we, when we are occupying someone else's space or when we're rehearsing or performing somewhere else, we will bring prop with us. Like we'll bring some of the like memorabilia or like, 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 so that the history is on the walls. So you'll see, um, like, like you'll see, you'll feel that mom and pop shop, even though maybe the building, it looks a little bit like fancier or cleaner. (laughs) Well, and I mean, you know, I think that, I think that the move away from like a brick and mortar during this time, honestly, it just, it just makes sense right now like it is entirely adaptive because like yeah you have we have no idea when it's gonna make sense to all gather and so why not just kind of embrace the ephemeral right now yeah absolutely i uh i am curious to see which venues are left standing at the end of this (laughs) yeah no that's gonna be so is there i mean obviously like do you do you think that prop and like, obviously this is like such a new decision. So like, feel free to be like, I have no idea, but like in the future, would you want to see prop back in like a brick and mortar setting for like prop to have a home? Or do you think that like 
going forward, you're going to want to continue to kind of embrace that, this kind of nomadic thing. Oh, that's a great, yeah, that's a great question. I would say, I would say the number one thing that prop will need is like a year long rehearsal space, Um, like our own like rehearsal space. That would be so beautiful because then you can do like a lot of smaller scale things there. And we do so much like development and play, play, new play development. Um, uh, In terms of like whether or not we'll have our own venue or storefront or whatever, or if we'll share with someone else or if like, we'll share with like a couple companies like that's kind of that remains to be seen. Um, I think it's important for me and the rest of our team to get out of the headspace or of itinerant or not itinerant, because there's also things like site specific theater, which is what I did mainly like what I did for the year or or for like the the three years before I became artistic director. Right. Um, so like, that's really exciting to me. Uh, but also working in new spaces and work collaborating in that way is, is exciting. I really like different community partnerships, um, with, um, with Faust we're like, we're locking down some, uh, uh, or at least one very prominent, like collaboration between us and a community organization because our show is so tied to that, that place. Um, and that's really like that's I'm really excited to see that that the symbiotic relationship between that because like I my hope is that like we can get to the point where we are having public readings of the the works that we're developing for the public and the public is able to respond and influence the process rather than just like other theater makers right well you know like no your your point about like you know your your history of site-specific work like that is really interesting because I remember when you started at Prop, I think one of the questions we asked you was like, how are you going to reframe kind of your theater philosophy to fit into a set space? And like that was, I think, was that a big adjustment? Was that initially a big adjustment for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like I, that was the... The only other like storefront like black box theater I've ever performed in in Chicago was the Chopin basement. And the Chopin basement is also still kind of a weird basement. Um, So prop was like the first like very like more traditional black box that I've ever like made shows in. And it was weird. It was different. It was like, because I guess like for those of you who don't know my entire career, (laughs) um, I've done shows like I did a, a production of Faust that played a different apartment every night. I did a show called The Party House where I rented my friend's house in Pilsen for three months and built his built the show all over his house. Um, I used to live in a DIY venue called The Parlor. And The Parlor, I was able to like do several different configurations for different shows. Uh, and that was basically like a gallery space. Um, and... Uh, what was cool about those other spaces is was like was the people that were attracted to them so like the audience that i had at the parlor some of those people still come to prop but it's very different from the audience i have at prop Mm. and oftentimes like i kind of miss my parlor crew uh like i miss those like those people that are like in search of alternative um entertainment to like bars like the people that are they just know to bring their own booze they just know like they're all like kind of like maybe affiliated with the SAAC or maybe just love like weird music house shows Mm -hmm. um, and are like sort of like that cultural, like, 
And there's like a very, very diverse group of people who will just like show up out of nowhere at your house because they heard this one band was playing or this one like obscure act was doing their thing. Um, and it's it's harder to get people that do that, that show up to those things in that way to prop yeah. because prop is like is like a theater and they're like the theater. Uh, that's what is that? Like, that sounds boring. <laughs> You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to uh, to break out again of that those the <laughs> break out of that black box and uh, see where the the what the next evolution is honestly of the work that I'm doing as an artist and also the work that I'm curating and championing as an artist at Prop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, that to me, the audiences of it is really fascinating to me because I, th- I think for a while, folks that are really tapped into performance and theater and, and um, you know, DIY venues, music and stuff, like the tastes for so much of what we've talked about were already there. But mainstream audiences more and more, I think, are opening up to this idea. You know, you touched on how... Um, just by nature of the timing of everything that when, um, when diary premiered the way that it did, um, for that, for that conference, like so many more people got to interact with it than before. Do you think that that shift in audience is going to be a trend that continues? Yeah. I mean, we at prop have started like a a committee on our board for, uh, the, the research of, um, uh, streaming and video, uh, streaming and video, and basically like how can we make that a regular part of our output right. at Prop, um, and like how can we really invest in making like really beautiful video recordings of our plays, and then how do we create another revenue stream from that? Because also something that this has made me think is like, wow, I'm starting to imagine like a life for plays that we make. So now we have, which I'm super proud of, like. Uh, rights and royalties agreements with all of our mm-hmm. casts at first at first rehearsal oh my god mm-hmm. like so uh, when actors signs up for a show in chicago they get a contract for like their workshop they know there's they also get first right of refusal for the full production and they get a royalties contract mm-hmm. on the same day like that is great because wow that's a plan <laughs> i mean and that's you know? fascinating because that's the thing with the digital space right is that it makes these things uh tangible i guess so early you know the reality is is that if you're able to you know maybe like there are people that are working on projects and they're releasing roughs into their to their like rough drafts to their um patreon people or whatever like the fact of the matter is that so much of you know as a historian or like as a journalist um it's fascinating to me because you know, when we're looking at stuff that was made, like, even 30 years ago, it's so much harder to try and imagine what, like, the rehearsal room was like, but so much of what is possible now has these processes recorded, you know? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, you can, can, like, legit record a Zoom, like, rehearsal, which I haven't... Uh, we have a recording of the um, the diary reading, which is awesome. But we don't. I'm not going to record any rehearsals because, like, for privacy yeah. sake. But that's not a bad idea. But it's also. But yeah, you're right. Like, we can actually, uh, like, imagining like Ilya Kazan yelling at 
Tracy Williams, mm-hmm. like without cameras, I'm sure like that was brutal. But like, imagine if they had to like interact in front of camera. <laughs> well, even if it's just like, and I don't necessarily mean that this is something that should be released for like, I don't know, but it just makes the idea, you know, cause I think that intellectual property is something that folks talk about a lot nowadays, especially just because, you know, it's just, I think all of it is really interesting. And, and I think too, just talking, touching more on the nature of conceiving work in a digital space and, and thinking about video and streaming, like, I'm just kind of curious too, for your, for your mindset, you know, I think that in, in a lot of this conversation, just thinking about the reality is, is that I think that we're not going to be seeing live theater for a while, you know, at the very least until mm-hmm. we, um, we're seeing like a, like a tested and accessible to everyone vaccine. Um, but I also think that a yes. lot of the lessons that we're learning and in, in right now for the folks that are trying to create are ones that can be useful outside of the pandemic culture. And I'm kind of curious if that's been true for you. Like if there are things that like, you know, if for some, if somehow tomorrow, like everything was just able to go back to the same material conditions that they were before the pandemic. Oh God. What do you think you've gained from it for lack of a, Oh my God. Like a little moment to breathe away from hustle culture because like, I mean, I'm such a doer. I like, if, if once I finish something or like even months before finishing something, I want to like plan for the next thing or be like working things out very far in advance. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I feel like that's brought me a lot of joy, but also like kind of closed me off to certain opportunities. And now like this is such an exercise in being like moving around with an open heart and like letting things come to me for the first time in like probably my entire life. And wow, it's so nice to just like, breathe and then actually maybe work on like some of the uh i've been doing a lot of like journaling um i just did the swarm residency uh which is a very popular chicago like uh artist residency which is entirely online this year definitely check them out swarm uh they're on instagram and other mediums but definitely check out the instagrams like the easiest way to access them but uh that was really great to like have different, um, to set different intentions, like in terms of meditation per day, and also be able to take random classes, like um, Jessamine Fitzpatrick taught this great class on like, um, uh, dirty talk, how to talk dirty. Um, And we had a great conversation. And it was cool to get to know like her practice as like a person, Mm -hmm. and like sexual being and things like that. Um, And so that that time to just like get to be by myself and um and write and and journal and think and just process and like move a little bit slower and not have to just like be running from one one like like call time to the next um it's been like extremely transformative for myself and also like my uh another thing i'm i'm reading a really awesome book called trauma stewardship which Tanuja recommended to me and it's like cuz in order, the thing, big thing I'm learning from that book is in order to, like, help other people, you have to, like, take care of yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> which seems like a, a little thing, but I'm really working on, like, healing and, like, dealing with myself when I'm upset, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that I can then be more present and, like, more helpful as a leader 
I mean, also for myself so I can feel good. But I mean, I always think of other mm -hmm. people. So, so I'm always like, oh, this is really actually like helping me see this more clearly, be a little bit more balanced, be a little bit more organized, be a little bit more whatever. But also then the radical idea, you are enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just like trying to like be okay with that. And um, with while also maybe getting into hustle culture because I'm like, oh, what can I work on? What can I improve? But yeah. always, always remembering that uh, that's like whites, that's white supremacist, like systems. Uh, you are enough is a very pr important thing to practice. Honestly, like what, what I've personally gained through this time and what I've, what I've really started appreciating in my different collaborations is just kind of like forgiveness and space of like, of people and like, and the, the actual real acknowledgement of spoons you know what i mean of like mm -hmm. being you know with you know with hustle culture there is this expectation that people sh you know should be able to deliver on things as quickly as possible and we're always looking for the next piece of content or we're always looking for that next project that next thing that and like just the reality of it is like that's just not possible the way that it was before mm -hmm. and so adjusting expectations not only for others but for yourself is just like you know let's say we snap our fingers and everything goes back to normal tomorrow like i just hope that that's something that we can take with us yeah oh god that's actually kind of scary that's a scary thought like if they got the vaccine tomorrow and everything just went tried to I know. like start moving that's like actually like a little mildly terrifying it's like the thought of, of wow. i mean like honestly the thought of things going back to normal is like scary i mean that's the thing yeah that, yeah yeah i think that for so many people like normal wasn't normal normal wasn't healthy right yeah so i don't know i think that i think that you, we have to come out of this time changed you know, I mean, it's all it's also kind of like nice getting to know. I feel like I've gotten to know more of the people that I like know. Yeah. I don't know, like or pe people that I've seen across the city who are also in the hustle, like with all of us, like us in our day jobs and our and our, our art and like our running around like all of us are so, such warriors. Mm -hmm. Like we are so we are so powerful and it's crazy what we put up with, like. Like, but we, and we, the fact that we're all doing it, like, it's so wild. Yeah. Like, there's so many people that this is our, like, everyday existence. This is, like, our life. This is our whole world. Like, the Chicago arts, like, art, artistic community. It is um, very, uh, it's, I can't wait to hug so many people, even people I barely know. <laughs> I'm like, come here. I know yeah. you. Well, we have a few minutes left, so as you know by now, the last thing we love to do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting folks know where they can keep up with upcoming performances if they were being online or, or otherwise, or, or <laughs> <laughs> learning about future works and projects and things like that. Otherwise, we love hearing shout-outs to the folks that you think are doing dope work, or any media that you are consuming, self-care, otherwise, music, movies, TV shows, things like that. 
Oh my gosh, there's so I'm so overwhelmed by this question, but I will I will pitch I will uh, plug something. So go to follow Prop Theater on Instagram, and it, theater is spelled weird. It's T H T R. Yes, that was there is a story behind that, and yes, it was some kind of joke that old white men came up with. Whatever, it's cool. I like it. It doesn't have to mean that story. <laughs> Prop Theater <laughs> on Instagram. Um, but also we're doing this for the month of July and actually I think moving forward forever we're 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 um posting one prompt a day one like creative generating creative generation like prompt for you to do whatever to make with every day for the foreseeable future so if you ever want to like you're ever feeling down you want to be inspired or you want to give yourself something to do Look, and Tara Brownham has gathered so many of these really cool, like, thoughts um, from people from the prop community, including the legendary Jenny Magnus, who's a performance artist and writer and actor. Definitely look her up. Um, and then also Prop does Small Hours, Small Hours Festival, um, which is a monthly uh, monologue festival or monodrama festival where we pair Chicago actors and writers um, and they create a new work in 48 hours. And then we we have a whole evening, uh, the third Thursday in every month where we release the, the videos. Um, and all of the videos that we have ever made for that are available on Instagram at Small Hours Festival. Um, and it's not just Chicago artists, it's also some regional artists such as like Milt Ortiz and Monica Sanchez. Oh yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, the last thing I'll plug is that so my my play Diary of an Erotic Life got um, na- got onto the Kilroy's list this year, which is awesome uh, organization that um, that honors some of the best uh, un- unproduced and underproduced plays by women and non-binary playwrights from across the country. And this year they specifically honored um, uh, plays that were postponed or canceled by COVID. And tomorrow night, um, I think it's at 7 Central um, on July 14th, they're having a uh, Kilroy's List celebration. And there's going to be performances of new new uh, monologues from new plays across the country that also made this list. So if you are interested in all in, in, in writing by awesome uh, like women and non-binary artists like, and you're free tomorrow, check that out. It's going to be really fun. It's free. Um, and there's going to be some really like cool speakers. Do you know if do that. you know if that's going to be available? Um, if people miss it, uh, do you know if that's going to be available after the fact? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. I'm not sure, but you can always look up the Kilroy's list. Um, they have a website. I'm pretty sure it's the Kilroy's org or com. Check it out. Try either. It's one of those. Um, and they also sell books from past years events oh, cool. too. Um, but I, I would say just check there and there will always be, um, up to date. Uh, and I do not know, I do not know if <laughs> what a, I know, what a question, <laughs> but yeah, well, cool. <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This, this has been such like an awesome conversation as it always is. Like we so appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. And also, I love that you interviewed me, like, from the moment I, like, started a prop. Or, I mean, you interviewed me, like, you, you, we've known each other since, like, 2017, and you've been interviewing me before I was artistic director at prop. But it's so cool 
that upon this moment in Prop's history, you can we can like cite our first yeah. conversation about Prop. Like that's wild. Yeah. yeah. And th- so thank you for telling my telling the story of Prop and my story and chronicling like local uh, creators and businesses and like all that you do at Scappy. Well, thank you. Well, um, before we go to our formal outro, I want to I'm going to be shameless for a moment for Scappy. Uh, so listeners out there, we're in the middle of our sustain campaign. If you're in a position to support us for $2 a month, that gets you a subscription where basically whenever we post something on the site, you get an email with that piece of content directly into your inbox and you don't have to fight the algorithm. And it makes a really big difference for us. It allows us to keep all of our content free. This subscription is optional but it, it really does help us. So if you are in a position to give $2 a month, it really makes a huge difference. And that's something that we'll say in our plug, but specifically now during our sustain campaign, please consider it. Yeah. And I'm actually going to go ahead and, and say too, like, I'm going to make this the new outro. I think I like this better for, <laughs> the, for this month and say, if you haven't already find our discord server, um, there are a couple ways you can do that. Um, find it in the sounding board Facebook group, but that's really been the best place for our community right now. In this time, uh, there's a lot of like voice chat channels and, and text channels where folks are, are communicating and talking. And, you know, I think more people are moving away from Facebook in this time with, with everything that's going on as far as like white supremacy being called out in that, on that platform. So head to um, our discord. It's yeah, really fun. Definitely. We're on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you could have just dropped into this interview. If oh, you wanted please to. don't. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um, but cool. Thank you all so much for listening. Go out and make something. <laughs>